get it. Everyone has not had a great cookie cutter experience with HR. Um, I get that some people don't understand a true function of what HR is. And that's why that's what leads to the HR isn't there for your protection. However, I feel like that backfires a lot because then employees who've never given HR the chance um, holds information in. Um, and then when something happens or a blow up happens, it's, well, what did HR do about it? Well, HR didn't even know about it. How could, I can't do any, something about something I don't know. Welcome to Problem Performers, a podcast about professionals who challenge the status quo at work. I'm Rebecca Weaver, and yes, I too have been labeled a problem performer at least once or twice in my career. But looking back, I know where it is a badge of honor. In fact, all the most interesting people I know have earned this label at some point. In reality, these are the people who challenge their workplaces to be better and do better. I think we should all aspire to be problem performers in our work lives, because the only way to make real change is by shaking things up. So let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to the Problem Performers Podcast. Today, I am really excited to have two incredible people here with me, Jasmine Wilkes and Christina Minyard of Baked HR. I just love other HR people who are looking to kind of pull the curtain back and um, demystify the HR profession just a little bit. So I'm super thrilled to have Jasmine and Christina here with me. Welcome. So let's get started. I mean, every good, all great couples have a great origin story, right? Um, so for the two of you who have teamed up um, so well for Baked HR, um, how did you two meet and how did Baked HR come to be? Well, I guess I'll take this one. So we met, which is actually funny. So both of us live in um, the same city. Well, not the same city, but very close in Alabama. And we both um, do a lot of work for our local um HR chapter here um, in Alabama. And we actually met um, at a conference <laughs> that was not in the state. We had to go out of state to actually meet each other <laughs> in person for the uh, very first time. Um, and then after that, we, you know, just formed a friendship and we had been talking a lot about, we both do a lot of work in HR in our area, and we both received a lot of inquiries from um, HR students wanting to know how they can become an HR director six months after graduating college. And so we were like, you want to do what now? (laughs) (laughs) Not just Um, any old director, but like an HR director for, you know, a global company. Absolutely. Yes. A very typical career path. (laughs) (laughs) So we decided to team up um, and really just between that and some other issues that we were seeing within HR, um, have some conversations. And like you said, let people see the insides of HR and the things that we go through and remind employees um, that HR is also an employee of the company as well. And we decided to do it the Instagram and YouTube route. Awesome. So now, Jasmine, tell me a little bit about your background. Are you do you have mostly HR generalist experience or tell us a little bit about your your background? Yes. So I officially started in HR, I believe, in 2015. I received I got my first job in HR after um, graduating 
um, with my bachelor's in human resources as well. And um, got started in 2015 as an HR assistant. And then for the past few years, um, I've become an HR generalist in um, multiple forms, government, non-government, um, food industry. So that's pretty much all of my HR background. Awesome. And Christina, how about you? So I started way before Jasmine started, and I always forget that we are not the same age until someone asks us <laughs> this kind of question. Um, I actually got, I'm one of those people that got my start by accident, um, started out doing temporary staffing. Um, I had no idea what I signed up for, but um, I enjoyed it, and I was really good at it, and that kind of launched my involvement in this bubble. Um, And then I accidentally left that and transitioned into government contracting. And so since Jasmine let y'all know that she graduated and then got her first job in HR, I worked in HR for probably eight or nine years before I got my degree. Um, So I went back and got my degree later. But I've done, you know, a lot of um, Department of Defense contractors. I've worked in that segment for probably the last 10 or 12 years. Uh, But I've also supported medical, uh, public K-12, manufacturing, um, you know, more professional type, corporate type roles as well. Um, But most of my work has always kind of pulled me back to some kind of recruiting function. But I still, I have been able to work my way up to like, you know, HR and and TA manager in in the corporate setting. That's fantastic. So for Baked HR, and you guys are coming up on your one-year anniversary, is that right? That's right. We're so excited. October 29th. Congrats. That's so exciting. So when you think about the past year and your YouTube channel, the Instagram account, um, I know you guys yesterday on Instagram Live were kind of recapping your favorite posts and reels and all of that from the past year. As you think about um, this past year, like what has stood out to you um, in terms of like the message that is resonating most with your audience? Wow, Jasmine, you want to take this first or do you want me to? (laughs) The most thing that I've seen um, is that managers suck. (laughs) We are going right for it. I love this. Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, I think that it's been a very common thread through the feedback that we've gotten privately and publicly Um, that there's just not enough information out there about what HR's purpose is um, and how to identify good HR and how to get better at HR. A lot of the type of questions that we are asked regularly from people who um, think they want to do HR for a career or maybe they have started their HR career but they don't know how to navigate like a specialty or or what to do next is just that they, they don't know where to look. Um, which taps into like a personal pain point for us because as former, you know, SHRM lovers, SHRM is the first thing that most people, you know, recommend uh, because it's so recognizable, right? It's such a large organization. And so people think, well, they're the ones with all the answers. But unfortunately, after spending several years as kind of an insider in that loop, that's not our first recommendation. So we spend time with people and and try to point them in different directions. But I think it's just the lack of information and the lack of transparency. 
For people who aren't HR insiders like us, um, let's talk about SHRM just a little bit. SHRM stands for the Society for HR Management, and it is the largest professional organization for the HR profession in the United States. So SHRM is a terrible acronym, by the way. It's a terrible name. It sounds like a mushroom sitting in... At least we've graduated from calling it SHRM to SHRM. Okay. Fair, it used to fair. be known as shrimp. <laughs> fair. Slightly better. Um, but yeah, let's talk about, I mean, what is SHRM? Um, and tell us a little bit about the roles that you've played in the past or like the role that SHRM has played for you. Yeah. So when I got into my career path, um, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. So someone had told me, hey, why don't you check out your local SHRM chapter? Because SHRM is a global organization that's the Society for Human Resource Management, but they also have state and local affiliate chapters, um, depending on, you know, where you're located. And so I had signed up for our local chapter and I went to some meetings to kind of learn. And and I will say as an entry-level person, there was a lot of good content um, to kind of build on. It never really turned into like some expert level advising, which I think is something that's seriously lacking for us as as professionals. Um, But I just got involved as a volunteer locally and then somehow ended up as a volunteer nationally and did some social media work with them and was on the blogging team for several several years. Jasmine joined us on the blogging team at some point too and started doing some different, not just the national conference, but some of the other, like their um, uh, talent conferences and things like that to kind of help that were more geared towards young professionals. I guess I had already aged out of young professionals by then. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, it's kind of like I talk about it as HR professionals. We have insight to the good and the bad of the company, right? Right. Because, you know, we are solving a lot of problems or we're having to to deal with a lot of things behind the scenes that the average employee doesn't see. Um, I started feeling like that as a volunteer with SHRM too, because the more we dug in, the more we realized like their internal HR practices were terrible. They were treating their people in an awful manner and they were not following advice that we would typically see come out of the organization that was labeled a best practice. And so, you know, that kind of caused a lot of distrust and and I backed off a lot. And Jasmine can tell you her her perspective of that. Yeah, Jasmine, what's been your perspective? You know, I've had this love-hate relationship with Sherm for the past few years. When I first started in my career, you know, Sherm was one of the go-to places that I you know, was directed towards um, as a HR newbie, as I like to call them. And Sherm appreciated at that time my perspective because I was blogging for them from the aspect of being someone new to HR and directing people to their site um, and to the organization. And so they were very much, oh, let's, you know, get on the blog squad, get some conferences, like Christina said, um, and then it got to the point where, um, you know, Sherm wouldn't listen to what we were asking them. Um, they wouldn't respond to the hard hitting questions, I guess you could say. And we, you know, not just Christina and I, but a lot of HR professionals um, required more from Sherm, more that they should have been, you know, 
happily giving if they are so on, you know, the leaders of human resources and should be the organization that directs us. So um, after a few years, we just decided to no longer, um, you know, blog for them. And then it got to the point where we, you know, didn't go to conferences. We now actively try to find other ways to get people um, help when they have HR questions, but it's very hard because Sherm, especially in the last few years, they've taken more of a um, commercial type aspect where you've seen them more on TV, you've seen them more coming out in the press. Um, and so a lot of people know Sherm and that's, they're like, oh, let's just go to them. Um, but we want people to not just use them I mean, unless you value what they're saying, then you do you. <laughs> well, I am very much in that camp as well. I, um, you know, my experience after over the course of my career, and I think I probably beat you both out. Um, it was 22 years um, <clears throat> of experience myself, but um I also fell into HR. I didn't start in HR. I started in internal communications and thought I was going to do like the sexy public relations or something like that and sort of fell into HR. Um, and over the course of my career, as I continued to progress, there were parts of the job that I loved. Um, and at a couple different points, I thought about getting um, my certification. And in two different two different times with two different bosses in two different companies, my boss actively talked me out of it, um, actively talked me out of even pursuing it. They're like, it is a waste of time. You've already reached a high level within the organization. It's going to be worthless to you, blah, 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 which is pretty harsh. Um, but, you know, it's pretty eye-opening, um, I think, as well. And then I would say for me personally over the past couple of years to see um, – I mean, Sherm is the 800-pound gorilla within our profession. Um, it's massive, and it's really the only—there are a couple of other places you can do a certification, but they're definitely the largest. And I think it's been, from what I understand, a huge part of their business model as well, you know, is really around this certification process. Um, but— but also, like, for a profession, they're supposed to be the voice of HR for the country and current CEO, Johnny C. Taylor um, Jr., right? Yep. Is very much about seeking the spotlight, um, which in and of itself, I personally don't have a lot of issue with. I mean, you know, we all do it in our own way. And I think having more of a spotlight on HR is inherently a good thing. However, um, I've also personally been really, really dismayed um, to see him actively aligning himself with the Trump administration and then, um, you know, him as the figurehead for this organization refusing to take action with Black Lives Matter, um, you know, or waiting way too long, you know, to make um, statements like that. So for me, it is just... Um, incredibly disappointing, and it feels like a huge void for so many of us not to have a professional organization that really represents our values and you know represents what we want to accomplish with this organ with our profession. We could do a whole episode on all of my <laughs> thoughts and concerns yes, with yes. the certification process, the split <laughs> between Sherm and HRCI. I mean, we really could. But I just, I mean, I agree with you 100%. And I just don't, you cannot convince me that if you don't 
as a human care about other people's basic human rights, that you're going to be good at HR. Absolutely. I just can't believe it. And when you refuse to take a stance on important issues like that, that impact who we are as whole people in this world, then you're just, you're not ready to provide this function as a support to businesses. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we haven't seen a, we have not seen any real meaningful support on transgender rights within the workplace. I mean, there's just been absolutely nothing. Um, And this really, I mean, what I would love to see is HR leading on these things. You know, having having HR as a profession out in the forefront. and again, like leading with the values that I think, at least the the HR professionals I know, <laughs> um, re- that really matter to us. Right, right. Let's go back to baked HR for a few minutes. <laughs> I was loving um, your post yesterday um, and your Instagram live where you guys are recapping your favorite memes and reels from the past year. So it was actually a meme that connected us. Um, I got really excited about one that you posted. So, Christina, can you, because I think this this maybe made the list as one of your favorites, right? It did. Can you describe it for everybody? And then um, I will explain how excited I got about it. <laughs> so it was uh, one of our spooky season memes that we've been having fun with. And we totally committed to having, like, some kind of, like, Halloween themed or something scary for our memes for the whole month of October. Um, and so this one is actually from Megan the Stallion's uh, pumpkin photo shoot that she did, which I have no idea why she did it, but I love the I love the photos. So I used them. And she's actually flipping the camera off with her little pumpkin ha- head on and she's wearing her <laughs> FU or F offerings. I can't yes. remember. Yep. And it says something along the lines of when another employee says HR is only here to protect the company. <laughs> and then it, our caption, <laughs> our caption was that, you know, we were turning off the comment. We were not taking any questions at this time, which is so funny. And another reason why I love that we're having this conversation because you were like, so I understand you're not taking any questions, but I have a question. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> so I just slid right into your DMs instead and was like, all right, fine, no comments. But I, yeah, I did. I got really excited because this is, it's like at the heart of this issue that I have had. Um, or I've had this conversation over and over again, and I've been dying to have a good, healthy debate with some HR professionals about this very issue. So for the record, I am also very much on board with Megan the Stallion and having her pumpkin head and all its wacky weirdness. Um, but yeah, so I did. I DM'd you and got really excited and said, hey, will you come on the podcast and talk to me about this? So this whole idea, if we can dive into it, HR is just there for the company, not for the employees. Um, It frequently, when I hear this conversation, it also like then kind of devolves very quickly into this like HR is evil and they're out to get us, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, It is definitely not. Um, at all the the position that I would argue for. But I would love to hear, like, just even before we get into that, like, so what made you want to post that? It's definitely your favorite. You said still still not taking comments. What 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 is it about that particular point of view for you? 
while I can fully admit and come clean that we have a lot of issues to sort out in the profession, and we have probably a lot of people in this role who do not deserve to be in this role, um, that is not our purpose is not just to protect the company. And I think we hear that a lot. We see that in advice. Don't go to HR. HR is not your friend. We're not here to say that we are your friend, but we're here to kind of define our role for you and tell you what you can use us as a resource for and understand that if it's probably good for you, then it's probably good for us too, because we have, we're not, we don't own the company. We don't have any special privileges that you don't have. Like we are employees just like you. We just have different tasks that we're responsible for. And so when I see that, especially when I see like HR professionals try to like kind of pump up that advice that don't go to HR, it's so infuriating. Why don't we spend that time working with HR professionals on how to be better at HR than just out here weaponizing this idea that we're not here to do a good job and keep employers out of trouble and take care of employees. Like it's possible to do both in a way that benefits all parties involved. I think that is a point for sure that gets lost that HR is an employee too. (laughs) And so um, I think people forget that sometimes. And there is for sure a bit of um, shooting the messenger um, people forget that HR is most of the time not a decision maker, especially when it comes to um, paying benefits, when it comes to um, who's getting promoted, when it comes to um, what action you're going to take on an investigation. Like HR makes a recommendation and it's a fully informed, hopefully <laughs> well-informed um, recommendation as well. But it's ultimately at the end of the day, it's a recommendation um, and very, very seldom, at least in my experience, does HR actually have the ability to make the call or make the final call um, on those things. I think that gets lost in this conversation as well. Jasmine, what's been your experience? Um, I kind of think that gets lost. The fact that HR is, you know, not your friend, HR is an employee. I think it gets lost because a lot of times when maybe you see a um, statement coming out from a company who has done something wrong, um, there was one recently that I'm my mind is blown. I can't remember who it was. But instead of the company or the CEO apologizing for it, the apology came directly from HR, even though there was nothing directly tied to HR about this. Like HR didn't make this decision. Um, it, it was something being manufactured. And I'm sure as a person who has worked in HR manufacturing, HR probably didn't even know what was being created until they saw the press release and was like, oh, you probably shouldn't have done that, but there we go. We'll we'll figure this out. Um, But I really do dislike that idea. And this conversation always comes into the um, HR is not your friend category. And to that, I always ask, is finance your friend? (laughs) Is recruiting your friend? Why is it directly tied to human resources in which someone should be a friend? If you make friends at work, 
great. If you can set those boundaries and you can have that relationship and they happen to work in HR, then fine, go for it. But that does not make the department of an organization your friend. And why are we going back and forth with just the conversation of is HR your friend Um, and not anyone else or any other department in the organization? Yes. Is marketing your friend? I mean, I think about that for a while. I like that. We'll be right back. Restaurant workers suffer the highest rates of harassment of any industry, and it's only gotten worse since the pandemic. HR Uprise is responding with 86 Harassment. 86 Harassment is a coalition of restaurant leaders who want to eradicate harassment in their workplaces. Members receive resources and support from HR Uprise to help prevent harassment before it starts, including anonymous reporting software, independent investigations, confidential HR coaching, templates and tools to help you build more inclusive company practices, and ongoing training in harassment prevention and allyship tactics that are engaging, fun, and actually work. If you're a restaurant owner, reach out to us for a free consultation at hruprise.com slash 86 harassment. Here's here's part of the issue for me. Um, I don't I don't like it when I hear the like HR is not your friend. Um, but I will say, like, since creating HR Uprise, one of the things that has really struck me over and over again is how frequently I hear from people and they they use almost word for word um, the same phrase and they say they feel like they were burned by HR. And it's almost it's burned is the phrase they use over and over again. And I find it so fascinating um, that. People will tell me their stories and, you know, they'll they've endured really horrific harassment and discrimination within the workplace. They go to HR. They feel like it doesn't go anywhere. And then what's possible, what's likely is that, you know, what's happening behind the scenes is HR very well may be going to bat for them. Um, But HR also has this responsibility to tow the company line. Um, And so they may or may not see any resolution to their issues. And to hear people saying, I I feel burned by HR over uh, so many times, um, that's the part that I kind of keep coming back to. And I can certainly understand um, people feeling um, this deep pain um, that wasn't, they feel like it wasn't listened to, it wasn't resolved um, to their satisfaction. um, and, And frequently they don't feel listened to either. Okay, so you said something in that, that, you know, HR is supposed to tow the company line. And Mm. I absolutely do not think that that's our job. Um, I don't think that's our job at all. Because I think if I know something and, and, you know, if you want to look at um, a legal risk as far as, you know, employment and maybe an investigation not being done thoroughly or they feel like something wasn't wasn't done correctly and they don't know what HR has done behind the scene it's not my job to just do what the CEO tells me what to do in that incident it's my job to tell that CEO what I know and what the risk is of choosing the path that they want to choose so yep. for me when I am in a situation like that I'm never thinking what's the company line here I'm thinking how do we resolve this issue for all parties involved and how do we make sure that we do it in a legal manner that uh-huh. benefits, you know, whoever needs to benefit from from the solution of this. Um, and so I think that that's also a misconception that people think that, oh, well, just because HR didn't do something, that means that they just fell in line 
with the company, which could also feed back into what you were saying earlier. Like, you know, we're typically not the decision maker. We're advising. We're in an advisement role a lot of times when it comes to issues like that. However, I'll say also that, you know, if I'm giving them a solution that they don't want to act on and it doesn't align with my values, I will submit my notice and not think twice. Like I just, that's just the kind of person I am. And I know that not everyone has that like freedom and flexibility. Sometimes you have to stay in a job that doesn't align with your values, but that doesn't mean that they didn't do everything they could to protect you and help you and resolve that the way that it should have been resolved. Yep. Other thing you said (laughs) was everyone has a story about being burned by HR. So I also think this, if you look back into, you know, how employment legislation has changed in the last 20, 30, 40 years, HR hasn't always been a function that was needed. And there's a difference between what we saw as personnel departments and what we see as human resources departments. Um, They have slightly different functions. Um, And I'm also one of the people, I don't care what you call us. I really don't care what you call us. Um, But the point of that being, a lot of organizations saw an opportunity to move someone internally at the organization out of necessity because laws started being implemented that they had to comply with that no one was experienced with and no one was prepared for. And you've got to look at how far behind the education system is in creating a degree once the workforce creates a demand for those skills. So I think that there's something to be said about the period of time that we're in uh, when we're still a little hazy on who was formally trained, uh, and who has worked in their career without HR and then with HR, and the differences that that causes in how we understand the role and how we're prepared for the role. And so I think hopefully, hopefully we'll see something different over the next 10 to 20 to 30 years. I hope so, too. Okay, you just said so much. I want to go back and, like, dive into some of this. This is exactly what I was hoping to get to. So, um, earlier, early on, you said, um, you know, talking about um, HR towing the company line. <clears throat> and I think I, I agree with you. Like, I was never in a place where I literally thought to myself, like, oh, what's the company's position on this? Um, at least that I can remember. Um, however, I would say um, I certainly did not feel... So let's take the um, example of an investigation. Um, somebody, um, you know, claims some kind of misconduct within the workplace. Let's say I investigate it. I have a clear recommendation that we should terminate um, the person who is accused. Let's say it's a manager. Um, and my clear recommendation is that we should terminate that person. And then the CEO doesn't agree. <clears throat> um, am I going to go back and share that information with the person who brought the allegations forward? Most likely not, right? Because that creates a whole other legal issue for the company. Um, And my argument has always been um, that, of course, HR is always looking, this is what I, I coached my teams for years over, was we're always striving to find the solution that is both best for the company and best for the employee. And in a situation like that, it probably is best for us to fire that person. You know, if there's clear misconduct happening, like that's the best thing for both the company and the employee. But 
if there's a conflict between what's best for the employee and what's best for the company, the company is going to win out every time. The CEO ultimately gets to make that decision about what's going to happen. Um, and yes, so the second part of this um, you know, that we'll get into is like, what's HR's recourse um, when you run into these issues? But before we get to that, like, ultimately, um, part of what changed it for me was sitting through and thinking how many times I thought to myself, as I'm talking to an employee, man, I really wish I could tell you the full story. I really wish I could tell you the whole story about why you're not getting this raise and why that other person did. Or, why we're not taking action or why it looks to you like we're not taking action with this misconduct issue or right on and on and on. So that's ultimately what what flipped it for me is that, yes, it's not HR's only um, only obligation, but it is a primary obligation is to protect the company. It's mitigating risk for the organization. And it was thinking through all of those conversations with employees that really flipped it for me. So, you know, yeah, that's mitigating risk for the employer ultimately, but it's also kind of mitigating risk for the productivity of the employees and the employees' well-being because if you could tell them everything, then they would try to they would try to navigate it all themselves and then there would be pure chaos. So, uh, I, I mean, I can I can see that where we can where we can file it away under that, but I always look at it as like I'm here uh, to serve the employees. And so when I make a decision to only share like this amount of information, why am I making that decision? Because it's confidential. Why is it confidential? Well, because they wouldn't want me to share it with anyone else, you know, mm -hmm. if it were about them. So not just about like, I don't want to give you enough information that you can come back and successfully sue the company. But if I think I'm hiding something that you could successfully sue the company for, I'm probably not going to be there much longer. Right. Right. Yeah. Jasmine, what's your take? I'm very much, even when before I sign a contract to start hire, you know, to start um, as an employee with someone in the HR role, I tell CEO, my HR manager, whoever it may be, first of all, I'm not going to jail for you or this company. So let's start there. Okay. Good place to start. Yeah. <laughs> so... I have had, and, and I get it, everyone has not had a great cookie cutter experience with HR. Um, I get that some people don't understand a true function of what HR is, and that's why that's what leads to the HR isn't there for your protection. However, I feel like that backfires a lot because then employees who never given HR the chance um, holds information in. Um, and then when something happens or a blow up happens, it's, well, what did HR do about it? Well, HR didn't even know about it. I, could, I can't do any, something about something I don't know. Um, and we've seen that experience over and over again. Um, I've also had to have hard conversations with employees on why they didn't get a promotion, but someone else did, you know, just using that example. One thing um, I tell employees all the time, at least for me, is I'm going to give you every piece of information that I can because I want you to truly, when you leave my office, I want you to understand whether you think it's the correct way or the wrong way. I still want you to understand the decisions that have been made. Um, if that gets the company in trouble, then that's something that the company is going to have to deal with. You can't just sit here and 
at the end of the day, we are affecting the way that people live. These jobs are how people put food on their table and their bellies. You know, it's how they decide to go from point A to point B. It does not have to be a passion in life for them, but it is a job. It is something that we have on paper promised them when we hired them on. Um, so I feel like as HR, we have to be as open as possible as that we can. Um, and yes, sometimes that means we can't give away all of the information. But like Christina said, you know, do you want me to share this information about you if you were that other employee? Yeah, yeah. So the second part of what you talked about, Christina, that I wanted to dive into is this idea of like, what does HR do? You know, if you run into this problem of um, an unethical or even, you know, sometimes illegal I feel like it's a little more clear cut when the behavior is illegal and not just unethical, um, at least for me. Uh, but I've experienced both um, as an HR professional. And I think that is one of the challenges of this role is, you know, what is your recourse? We talk about HR is not the final decision maker. You know, if you do run into that, I I would say in my experience, I have never I've never reached a point where I felt very strongly about something um, and said, this is what we need to do. And I was told to actively sweep misconduct under the rug. I've never been in that situation. I know I've talked to quite a few HR people who have, um, but I personally have never been in that situation. But what I did run into was an organization that um, was taking action that I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't abide by it. Um, You know, for me, it was... um, the CEO was planning another round of layoffs. Um, it told me um, the day that I told him I was pregnant with our second child, he told me I was going to be laid off. And so, you know, and that was the... He told you you were going to be laid off because you were pregnant with your second child? Oh, no, of course he didn't say it exactly like that. It was in the same conversation, though, right? It was, hey, so I'm pregnant. And then, like, later in this, like, update, oh, and by the way, you're going to be included in this layoff. Um, and so, right. And so for me, like, again, it was, first of all, if I stick around, like, yes, I could get some severance apparently, um, as part of this layoff, but people are going to assume that me as the head of HR for this organization, they're going to assume I had something to do with this layoff. Um, and I can't, I can't live with that. I don't, I don't want that you know, as part of my professional reputation. Um, And so I ultimately, I quit. I quit before we got to the layoffs. Um, And so looking back at that experience, it's so interesting because it really was the only recourse I had at the time. Or I could have, you know, stuck it out. Um, And like you said earlier, I was really fortunate um, and very privileged, um, I should say, to be in a position where um, my family and I had savings that we could live off of for a while because I was a primary breadwinner for us. Um, And also, by the way, being pregnant is not a great time to look for a job. Um, It should be. Why is that, Rebecca? Why? It should be, but it's not. (laughs) Maybe now Um, in this remote world (laughs) because— Maybe. No one sees you when you walk in. Okay, that's that's also another episode. Yep. Sorry. That's a whole other episode, right? Um, but, you know, I think about this like, you know, that really is, I think, in so many ways, our only recourse if we're working for an organization that's unethical. Like, right? I mean, what do you guys think? Sometimes you have to, 
you know, sometimes you do have to make the hard decision if you can to leave an organization. Um, we have had to tell a few people that in our DMs because they've come to us and be like, hey, should I just quit this job? And be like, wait a minute now. <laughs> we cannot tell you to quit a job. <laughs> I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what's going on. I can't support you if you say, come back and say, hey, Bank that jar told you to <laughs> right. quit your job. <laughs> right. Um but sometimes you have to make that hard um, decision and see if that is something that you are able to do. Um, you know, that's where it comes with comes in with having a great network, maybe um, that you can find something in the meantime um, to do. Although then you get the oh, this person has job talk from point A to point B when yeah. that comes up on resumes. <laughs> um, but you know. I, I just think sometimes you have to make, uh, you know, the difficult decisions and sometimes that's saying goodbye, especially when you know something is against um, your values or your morals that, you know, you have been raised on or live by or whatever they oh. may be. So I think that um, I have... There's a lot of variables in this, right? Because it depends on the structure of the organization. Because I would say, like, if you are in a position where maybe you report to a VP or maybe you report to an executive and they are making a decision to go against your recommendation and you firmly believe that's the wrong decision, is there a board of directors that you can take this to? Is there another option? Do you have a policy that states what you are able to explore as an alternative route because some larger organizations will have paths like that already defined because they've already been through this before. Um, also, do you have a good employment attorney uh, on retainer that you can call and say, hey, I need you to present the facts from you know your perspective. Here's, here's what we're dealing with. What would you advise uh, that they do. And so sometimes, you know, having HR and the attorney on the same page can get them to change their mind. Um, there is a, you know, like you said, it's it's way more clear cut whenever it's like illegal versus unethical. Um, it's easier to make proper case when there is a, a black and white, you know, descriptor there. But when you're dealing with something unethical, it depends on what you're doing there, right? Because I... I feel like my reputation as an HR and talent acquisition person is I will come into your organization, I will break everything down that's not working, and we will rebuild in a way that will make your workplace better and, you know, help your recruiting strategy and your retention strategy. And sometimes that means addressing those unethical behaviors head on. And maybe no one told you before that they're unethical because uh, there can be some, you know, ambiguity there. Uh, but if you repeatedly try to change an unethical belief and you get nowhere, then that might be the time for you to say, okay, bye, I'm out of here. Um, you know, I've been in, in some of those situations where I thought I was making progress with the leadership team or, or the owner of the company. And we went through rounds and rounds. I mean, just using compensation as an example, you have to have a good, strong compensation strategy. And when I've advised you several times on why this is not 
working, why you can't pay a certain type of person less than another certain type of person in the same field. Uh, and, and we're six months in and you're still not adjusting and you're just making excuses. Then I realized you don't really want to learn from me. You just wanted me to come in and, and take care of these other things. And so that's yep. when you have to kind of reflect and be like, okay, well, yeah, now I probably do need to leave. Yeah. For me with a different company, it was being asked to do layoffs one too many times where we weren't offering any severance to people. Um, you know, and it was like round after round. And like, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and to me, it feels like an ethics issue. Yeah. Yeah. And even when, when, even when all the stars are aligned and you get to offer that severance package, it's still not easy to lay off a bunch of people. It is the absolute worst part of the job. I'm convinced. Um, absolute worst part. Yeah. I so appreciate the opportunity to talk about this stuff because, um, you know, again, these are these are the conversations that um, I was looking to have more often that I was I was looking for those when I, you know, first created HR Uprise on Instagram. Um, it was like this kind of dialogue um, that, you know, the HR profession is not an easy one and it's only gotten harder. You know, the past couple of years, we have now heaped on all these expectations um, for HR professionals. And, you know, it's a big part of the reason why I created the coaching platform with HR Uprise, which is, you know, for all of us who work in HR, we play that HR phone a friend role, right? The uh, for friends and family who are going through an issue, or maybe they're looking for a new job, or they have some kind of workplace um, issue, they call up their HR friend and say, "Hey, you know, what do we do?" And I think this is really the crux of the issue for me. Like, what I find magical about that HR phone a friend um, scenario is HR does not have to worry about their obligation to the company at that moment. They don't have to worry about like, oh, I'm not going to tell you everything. I don't have to, you know, you don't have to worry about any of that. You can just say, hey, here's what you need to know. Here's, you know, here's the documentation you should keep. Here's some questions you should ask. Here's how you can protect yourself because they don't have to worry about that obligation to the company. Um, and and it is that I mean, I, I call it the double bind of HR, right? That is like we're both trying to support company culture and support the organization and mitigate risk for the organization at the same time. And most of the time, hopefully in a good scenario, you can do that well. Uh, but I think there are too many times where those two obligations just conflict. Um, and again, that's that's why I created the the coaching platform for HR Uprise was to give access to that HR phone a friend um, on a much larger scale for people. Yeah, no, I think that that's really great. And I think obviously there's a need for it because like Jasmine has said, we get random DMs, we get Uh, random emails, and it's like people genuinely seeking HR advice. And we're like, oh, they think that we're (laughs) real. But I think, um, you know, earlier also you said, like, I I decided to quit because I didn't want people to think that I was part of this decision. And this this is another reason why I get so frustrated when people think that, you know, HR is only going to do what the company tells them to do. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, Jasmine mentioned, you know, you've got your network, you're going to try to look for another job. You become known for whatever HR type of person that you are. And so it's not just, oh, I left that job. I can leave how I behaved at that job. Yeah. It's, that's the kind of HR person that is. Do we want that kind of HR person on our team? So so it's yep. part of 
people see you doing HR how you want to present yourself. So you've got to keep that in mind too. And if that's that extra push you need to be like, okay, I'm not just here for the company, like this could impact my career. We know how fast news travels. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. I cannot thank you both enough um, for being willing to dive in um, to the weeds of the HR role with me. Um, Tell me before we go, where can people find Baked HR and then either of you, um, either or both of you, um, where can they find you online and connect with you? Well, you can find Baked HR on Instagram at Baked HR. You can also find us on YouTube. If you just search Baked HR, we'll pop right up there. So you can see all of our full videos that we have with guests um, as well. Um, And then if there's ever a time that you want to access a question or a topic, um, then you can email us at bakedhr at gmail.com. And then if you are looking for me specifically, I don't know why you would be, but if you are, (laughs) um, you can find me pretty much um, at HR Jazzy. You see, like I don't even use my like Twitter handles that much anymore or anything like that. But you can find me at HR Jazzy and that's H-R-J-A-Z-Z-Y. And you can find me as H Recruit everywhere, H-R-E-C-R-U-I-T, um, hrecruit.co and H Recruit on all of the social media platforms. Awesome. Well, ladies, thank you again um, for the conversation and uh, we'll see you on Instagram. Thank you. Problem Performers is a production of HR Uprise Media, part of an organization built around a single question. What if you could have HR that works for you rather than your boss? Well, now you can with your own HR Uprise coach. Get affordable, confidential advice from an experienced HR pro who works only for you. And hey, employers, we've got you covered too. HR Uprise provides independent investigations, harassment prevention training, private employee coaching, and much more. Email us at hello at hruprise.com or visit our page at hruprise.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.